Welcome to the Must Love Self podcast. My name is Carly Israel and I am your host. What is Must Love Self all about? It's about our bodies, our worth, and our voices. It is a movement, an attitude. It is a decision. It is a project. It is a journey. It is a life choice. Every week I get to interview a brave woman who may not be perfect, but is on the path and is willing to share their ugly and their beautiful. Okay, so today I have Lily Shaw, and Lily popped up in my email, and I read her bio, and I said, hold on a minute, I want this woman immediately, I must love self. Her mantra is use your voice, own your gifts, step into your empowered self, and live the life you were meant to live. And I just want to read a few words that Lily wrote about herself, and then we're going to get to meet her. She said, I'm a purpose-driven powerhouse actress, multilingual voiceover artist, and award-winning motivational speaker on a mission to use my voice, life story in an aligned, authentic, and powerful way. I now aspire to lead by example and motivate audiences to use their voices, own their gifts, and become who they were born to be. Now you see why I needed you on. Welcome, (laughs) Lily. Thank you so much, Carly. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you. I'm so happy to have you here. Before we get into the nitty gritty and all of my questions, I want to address that the fact that you're in the public eye on a regular basis, that's part of your career. And I want us to discuss that at some point today. But I want you to know when I was reading through some of your content on your beautiful website, I um, was in theater for like two minutes. And when I was going to move out to LA, I met with an agent who said, I'm sure you're going to hear something like this similar. You'd be great. Just lose 20 pounds. And I was 19 and I looked down at my body and I had always had body stuff, but for a man to tell me that, that that's the only way they would take me. I remember it just breaking a piece of me. Have you heard words like that? Oh my God, just on this one topic, I think I can speak for like five hours. Um, here's what's interesting. And um, and this is where I think your and my experience is going to differ just a little bit because, because of our skin colors, frankly, right. just to put it right out there for everybody to listen. I was not distinguished and discriminated that much for my body weight because the assumption was that I know my place. So the assumption with you, and this is just me putting words in your mouth. Yeah. You know, the assumption with you probably was that you could be, you know, this top notch movie star precisely because of your skin color. Right. And white got fake on here. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> right the, you know the the, the traditional no, yeah. model sure you know no problem but uh, you know the acceptance with me was that you know that the best you're ever going to do and this is what one of my first agents actually told me is that all you're going to do is co-stars now for those of you who don't know co-stars it's basically doing one-line roles that's what he said that my career was going to be and it was all based on the fact that I was not you know the traditional blonde bombshell so you know so that's where the weight thing played in for me so weight became one more thing because I was definitely not Hollywood thin but I was also not 
this heavy as I am now. So I was somewhere in the middle, but the weight thing became one more sort of this box. They got to a reason that they had to reject. So that's how weight played out for me. But the, the biggest disqualifying factor, honestly, with me was that I was not the typical white blonde person. So, so your so, cultural background is why you were, it was basically you were, it was racism. Blatant, blatant. I mean, at the time- And when acceptable I was, racism. You know, that's the <laughs> thing because when it was happening, I had no idea that that was ex- uh, racism. I made the mistake of thinking that I was genuinely being given correct advice. I thought, oh my God, like I must really be untalented. I must really be ugly looking. I must really be this awful person because if I was and why would everybody be calling me that, right? Why would they be constantly humiliating me and putting me down? And then, and I'm sure we can also cover this later on, is coming on to me and sort of saying, well, what can you do for us? This kind of, you know, that casting couch kind of situation. Although I was very lucky that nobody ever came out, you know, quite so sort of, you know, the me too aspect of it didn't really happen to me. Right. But that was always part of that. So you were always said, because, you know, if you're a woman who, who has ambition and who wants to succeed, well, then what, what are you going to do for me right, right, right here right now? How are you going to make me happy if you want your dreams to come true? So that whole Harvey Weinstein effect was very prevalent and, you know, protecting myself, you know, I was like 22 years old when I started. So protecting myself and keeping myself safe became my number one priority, even if it meant losing jobs, even if it meant, you know, saying no to work that that I as an artist wanted to do, but as a woman felt unsafe doing. So I was constantly juggling this. I was constantly going back and forth trying to figure out, well, (laughs) you know, um, I'm going to change my thought because I used to be criticized so much, you know, height, weight. And the, the only thing that I wasn't criticized on, the only reason that I was allowed in the rooms is because I was talented, because I was one of those people who actually did the work that you're supposed to do. So you can call yourself an actor. You know, I, can took- I just say the, the, the fact that you were to say allowed in the room breaks my heart, you know, and, and what that does to you and what that must have done to you your whole life to have to work so hard. I mean, just as a, just as a regular woman, pretend we're not even talking about culture or, or skin color or anything, just women being allowed in the room, period. And now you add, now you've got your cultural background, your skin color, the roles that you're only allowed to be considered for. And American society is telling you what you're good enough for and what you're not good enough for. And we're going to get to that. So I want to start from the beginning so we can get there. My first question is, why did you say yes? You know, the must love self, because like I said uh, in my bio that I am on a mission of showing women, showing people of color, men and women of color, that, you know, the messages that you're getting from the world are not correct. That, you know, you are not less than, you are not, um, you know, you have a right to be there. You know, just having the wrong weight, just having the wrong skin color does not disqualify you, which absolutely has been my experience in America. So that is like my fundamental kind of thing. Um, you know, whether it's Black Lives Matter movement, whether it's uh, the Me Too movement, it's all one and the same thing. It's all legal, acceptable differentiation based on things that are completely irrelevant, should be 
irrelevant. So if I can help one person, one woman understand their value, understand that, and, and I'm going to get to this, un understand the fact that you matter despite what you look like, that, you know, you have something to offer, that your voice matters that even if you occupy space and even if you are loud and boisterous and you know and you don't sit with your legs properly crossed doesn't mean that you're irrelevant it means that you have something to offer and the world should listen right and if the they, world they need a voice they need yes. to see that they are beautiful and that they don't get yes. to, no one else gets to decide what beautiful is for each one of us we get to decide that you know the beauty is in the eye of the beholder but we are so stuck on what we are told is beautiful, which is what I've done is I've stopped watching things that tell me what beauty is. I don't read and women's magazines. I don't, none of that, because I don't want you to tell me that I'm not beautiful if I don't look like this, or if the left side of the picture and the right side of the picture, the comparison, it, I look like the left and the right is what everyone's making a big deal about. I just don't look at it anymore. It, it takes away from my strength. You know, I have seen, and, and this is like, I keep talking about women of color, but like I grew up in a mixed sort of neighborhood and my white friends constantly, constantly killing themselves because they weren't a size zero. I mean, they were like these size two, size four women. And I was like a size eight, size 10. And I would see them struggling and I would, you know, constantly trying to tell them that you look perfect and it wouldn't matter like I remember one of my closest friends was like this on this constant binge dieting because she needed to be size zero that was the only acceptable size in her head and no matter who told her that two four even six is okay and I think she was like a five or a four so she was not fat like by any means uh by uh, of the imagination but she was so sort of caught up in the cycle of the beauty industry telling her who she needs to be so she can be validated and loved that she had lost touch and she had no idea that she actually was beautiful um like my you said something that I thought was really interesting you said your white friends do you think that more white women are obsessed with weight and how they look than than women of color? I noticed no, you said that. I, I yes, and and I'm so glad you brought that up because this is the, I do have a story about that because I would say that I'm not a person who can comment on that. The reason being, I didn't grow up here. I grew up in India, right? And then I came here when I was 17. So I didn't grow up with the kind of self-hatred that's uh, incorporated. So you think it's more thing. American? It is. It is. And the only reason I've been able to survive and, and not hate myself is because I had those values of like Indian culture where size was not hated. Well, it wasn't back then. Now I'm sure it is, you know, everything is more Western now. But when I was growing up, you were, you know, you were valued for what you brought to the table, which in my case was like, I was a tomboy. I was, you know, good in sports and all of that stuff. So, and I was smart. So, you know, that was valued even if I was fat. If that makes sense, right? So I and didn't she's air quoting the word fat you know, because because you're air quoting because you know you weren't. You're I wasn't just talking about the comparison of so interesting that I'm hearing a lot of women say when we discuss this is wanting to be a zero, okay, or a two, or is so so skinny is so similar to wanting to take up as little space as humanly possible. Why do we want to make it so we take up so little space? What does that say about us just in general? That I want to make it so I'm so much smaller than I am. That goes to our worth also. It, it, it absolutely, because we are 100% correct, because we are so brainwashed into believing that we need someone else to tell us that we are worthy of being loved, that 
that we are worthy of taking up space to use your words. And, you know, and the thing is like, we don't get it. So uh, I, I want to finish my thought though. Um, you know, when I came here, that was like the first thing that I noticed. I was like, wait a minute, women, if you are not, if you don't look a certain way, like in school, I started noticing this, that you are not valued. People don't see you. And I was absolutely not used to that. I was not used to like being hated because I didn't look a certain way. So did you come to America for college or your last year of high school? I yeah I mean kind of the same thing it was last year of high school first year of college but I like my whole family kind of emigrated so we had been trying to emigrate for a couple of years and then you know but like we were able to finally uh, emigrate here because my family my mom's brother had invited us like had sponsorship I think is what it's called so that's how we were able to come like so we were like my mom was able to come and then my brother and I came with her so that's kind of how we came so it wasn't just me like all of us emigrated so, so you were saying that when you got here you felt like no one saw you absolutely and it didn't understand and I didn't get that for the longest time it wasn't until I came to LA that I finally started understanding um the whole uh you know the weight and the the consider consider the, the racial hierarchy yes, yes exactly out of beauty. My... I have a there. question back to your the women in your family so take me back to when you're a little girl, you're growing up and what are you seeing in terms of what women are supposed to be like, whether it's about their beauty, whether it's about what they should or shouldn't do. What were the examples and role models of what women were supposed to look like, act like, behave like, not behave like for the women you were surrounded by? So um, I do have a little bit of a complicated history with that too, because my parents, my mom and my dad were absolutely non-traditional. So Traditional Indian women, you know, were expected to be subservient to uh, to men. They were expected to know that their first and foremost responsibility was in the kitchen, you know, cooking and cleaning and making sure the house looks nice. And then the second responsibility was to, you know, get married, have kids. And, and then the third thing was like to get a job. So those were like the middle class values that people had. And I didn't really grow up with a lot of like beauty versus not beauty. Why do you think your parents didn't follow that? Um, you know, yeah. I, I don't really know. I got very, very, both my brother and I, we got very lucky because we were completely removed uh, from that. I don't really know what motivated. All I know is that my mom was like the first feminist I knew and my dad was like the second. So I was just so, so but is it true that most, most Indian young ladies, when they're of marriage age, leave their family's home and go to the male's family's home? Yeah. So yeah, once you get, again, this is an older tradition. That's right. not the case anymore, uh, at least from what I understand. And I could be wrong on that. Uh, but um, so what happened, is like you get married basically you leave your parents home to go to your husband's home and um indian families tended to be multi-generational homes so what that means is that like people lived with their parents and their grandparents so so it used to be like a large kind of a joint family versus like a nuclear family but now like when i was uh, uh, growing up women would like go to school and then go to college and you know so like that had already started changing when i was still growing up in uh, there so but my parents absolutely went through that where it was like, you know, you went to school, you got your college degree, you got there was married. There a clear path. This is what absolutely. you do in order to be successful. Very, very so, clear. So what were you even, so your parents were feminists, which is amazing. Mm -hmm. And what, what were you hearing about what women needed to, did you hear any messaging about what women needed to be like or not be like, or were you hearing a positive messaging? You don't need to worry about that. You do you. 
I was getting the you do you message from my parents, mostly from my mom, who was kind of like the shield who stood between me and the world. Okay. But I was being eaten alive. That's the phrase I use a lot in my life. I was getting constant messages from like extended family people, you know, aunts and uncles and grandparents and all of that stuff of like, should she be behaving that way? Should she be this loud? Should she be dancing? They should wanted she- you to get smaller and quieter. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and it was my how mom. did you respond to that? I got very big. I got very efficient. I used to got, I also became an overachiever because I got used to being constantly compared and everybody kind of always, I got the sense that everybody was waiting for me to fail. So I worked that much harder mm-hmm. knowing, you know, like that they, so that I was like, I fuck you all. Y'all. Yeah. I'm not gonna, you know? So I became an overachiever and I, I did become the standard bearer of my family, both my mom and my dad's side of the family, but that became, came with its own challenges and, and it destroyed me emotionally because you don't always want to be, you know, you want to be able to be you, but I never had that chance because and be human right but you felt like there was already such a high level of what they wanted you to do and it was just about your achievement was the way you controlled it but it was so so much pressure it was um I it was more of a survival thing um I don't know that you know my I was lucky because I was one of those people who enjoyed doing a lot of things and then I also found out that I was good at doing a lot of things but then I realized that being good was enough this is where like the whole uh you're a woman and know your place mentality came into my life because if you want you know if you really think you are that awesome prove it to us so that became my life constantly trying to prove that I'm good enough. so that was my childhood and my te- early teenage life Do you, you know? still feel that struggle or that voice within you about trying to prove you're enough absolutely because look what happened in Hollywood <laughs> yeah so we're gonna get there I want you to rate okay so one to ten. One is I'm a monster to myself I'm really mean to myself 10 is I'm aware I'm pretty awesome where are you currently in your body image of yourself one to ten I am pretty high now. I mean, three years ago, four years ago, I was like an absolute zero, but I've done work on myself. I am now like eight, nine, 10. Like I think of myself pretty highly because I've done all of the inner work. I now understand that it's them. It's not me. You know, I understand that uh, every time that I was rejected, that was like racism and white superiority and all of that stuff in play. So I've had to do, but I will, you know, it took all of my youth, all of my youth to come to terms with the fact that it's okay to be me. It's okay that, you know, I don't have to die trying to prove myself every single day of my life. I love so, that. And yeah. I want to get to that place of talking about what happened. I first want to get this out and I want to find out about your youth that was really challenging. Tell me where you are with your self-worth one to 10. So how would you define self-worth? Like knowing that you deserve to be treated a certain way in all areas, whether it's work, family, relationships, and how you treat yourself. So I do think very highly of myself, right? Like best I've been conditioned to. I don't know how else to think of myself, right? Here's what happens. I think that I'll be treated a certain way, right? Whether it's because I'm high achieving or whether it's just because I'm a simple human being and I deserve basic human decency, right? So when I walk into a room or into a Zoom conversation, I expect to be treated with a certain amount of respect. What ends up happening most of the time is that I don't get the respect that I think is 
is worthy of me. And sometimes it's because I'm in a room full of men. Sometimes it's because I'm an immigrant. Sometimes, sometimes it's because I'm a fat woman. Sometimes it's because I am not a doctor and I'm an, a, a lowly actress. And you can put in anything in there, but there's this dichotomy of how I think I should be treated and how I actually am treated in the real world for whatever reason, you know, and you can fill in the blankets because I'm too much or I'm not good enough. And it seesaws between, you know, one end or the other. So my self-worth, so I've had to teach myself not to live based on what I see, you know, to know that even if those people don't like me, I still like me. And that has been my journey of acceptance and validating myself, not waiting to be validated by the world. That is what must love self is all about, <laughs> regardless of who treats you how, but when they treat you like that, does it, I mean, cause we're human. So when you get treated the way that, that you're like, this is not how I'm supposed to be treated. Is there any part of your inner self that's, that it brings yourself or down and then you have to bring it back up? Oh my God, yes. Absolutely. Because, you know, oh my God. Yes. Because look, we're human, right? We want, first of all, like for me, you know, I'm one of those people. I'm very lucky because I'm doing with my life what I wanted to do, right? I'm not compromising. I want to be an actress. I want to be a writer. I want to be a speaker. Like these are things that are coming out of me. So when I walk into a room, I have that passion in me, you know, versus like somebody like my mom or like some of the other people I know who don't like their jobs, right? I like my job. So I walk in with that passion and, and, and that enthusiasm. But when that's extinguished and it's not met with that kind of like, oh my God, yes, we love your passion kind of then what do you do it hurts it does mm -hmm. I just saw an image when you were talking about it so you come into the room in the space and you are a fire like a beautiful fire and they put you out like one of those old-fashioned like those dippy sticks that like <laughs> cover right and your job our job because we can't ask anyone else to do it for us is to bring our fire back and yes. that's really the inner work that you're talking about and I want to yes. get to that tell me because I'm guessing it's pretty high what would you rate your ability to use your voice on behalf of yourself to advocate for yourself um it has as of COVID of last year I kind of made this transition I started working with a coach who taught who first of all a woman a white woman mm -hmm. who showed me an older woman mm -hmm. uh, who showed me that I actually had something to offer so believe it or not it took a woman to show me the light you know and so it was you know I only got a chance to work with her because the world was shut down and I, I'm so grateful because she showed me that I had a voice she showed me that I had something to offer to the world and that's where I kind of stepped into this you know oh my god this is the kind of actress I am this is the kind of writer and speaker that I want to be right so before that I had no idea like I just I was so used to being sort of silenced you know like Oprah said were you silent or were you silenced I was silenced and I had gotten used to being silenced and I had started uh undervaluing my talent my my presence my hard work nothing because nothing I did was ever right good. and when you have all of that when you're being judged by what your beauty is and you're not feeling like you match up when you're seeing how people treat you and they don't even have you on the hierarchy of beauty of of worth and then you're supposed to use your voice to step up for yourself sometimes we need most of the time we need another strong human and oftentimes it's a woman to tell us look in the mirror dear see what i see in you if only you could see what i see in you and then 
for us to face it and to find it and to say, you know what? No more. I'm going to own this. And it sounds like this has actually been a year of transformation for you. It really has been. It really has been because yes, you're 100% right, which is the reason I'm now doing this because I want to do for other women what, you know, Heather did for me. Right. That's what we do. We lift each other up. There you go. Because yes, you know, no matter how small you think your life has been, it has been worthy. It has made a difference. You are on this planet for a reason. You're not a waste of space. You know, you are not. So doesn't that break your heart to think that there's people out there? And I know there are because I've gotten so many anonymous answers to my questionnaires. And I had a teenager who is LGBTQ and was 13 and said, and this is before I changed it to add my email because I wanted them to feel so anonymous that they didn't have to have any connection with me. And after I got this person's form, which said, there's so much negativity around me about who I'm supposed to be. I hate myself. I hate this life. And I just, I didn't, I couldn't reach them. I didn't know how to reach them. I get chills just thinking about it. And I immediately changed my form to, this is anonymous. If you want to reach me for any help or have a continued longer conversation, here's my email. Because obviously that person wants to be heard. And the people around them can't see it. And I know that so many of us and people you don't think feel this way because of how you perceive their outside to be. You might look at someone who you perceive to have it all, but you have no idea about what's really going on internally, which is basically my big belief. We all have a story and nobody knows what it really is until you tell it. Yeah, that's, yeah, I mean- Absolutely. I mean, he need she needs to get in touch with somebody and I hope she's listening and and we need like she's absolutely exactly what she needs to be. There is nothing wrong with her. She doesn't need to change herself. She doesn't need to improve herself. The world needs her exactly yes. the way she is. So if she's hearing this, please listen to this one thing. And you know, it's you know, a, a friend of mine told me that she had a conversation with the five-year-old one time and she asked she told him like she sat down with this kid and said the first thing I want to tell you is that there is nothing wrong with and the five-year-old kid started crying this is how early this programming starts of improve yourself change yourself so I don't feel threatened I just had a conversation with a mother who told me her five-year-old daughter told her she hates her belly because it's so round (gasps) and the mother said she has no idea where she heard that kind of information the only thing she can think of is that she's been watching YouTube during COVID because there's nothing to do and she's just seeing all these videos of these like stick figure girls with, you know, the fact that a five-year-old, but here's the thing. I remember the, I remember being that age and looking at my mom who hated her body and talked about hating her body in front of me, thinking that if she hates her body and I think it looks like this, then I hate my body. What was Mm -hmm. your childhood like in terms of, you said during your teenage years and your younger years, like around what age do you remember being aware of how you look? I, um, you know, um, I was always pretty overweight like for a child I guess I mean that's kind of like the messaging that I grew up with is like that I was fat you know my mom was the only person who always said that you're pretty you know you were told you were told you were fat I was told I was fat like constantly by everybody so it like I said you know it's the thing that can I just uh, stop you for a second that breaks my heart (laughs) it really really does Do you Um, remember what it felt like to hear that you know I don't remember the first time um 
here's the thing because I because thankfully I had a very strong mother you know and the thing is like you remember what your parents tell you more than what your teachers tell you and more than what like people around you tell you so I remember my mom's programming like in my early childhood right it wasn't until I was like 12 13 years old that's when the messaging's kind of increased of like oh you're fat and then my mom started saying things like well yeah you're still pretty even if you're fat like you know so I, I was sheltered quite a bit from that kind of negative programming, but I experienced a lot of discrimination, a lot of like hatred from my teachers because I was fat. Like I, I was, can't, I can't yeah. even, I mean, I know what happened and I believe you. I just, I hate it. I was yeah. in education and I used to be a teacher and I know that there's amazing teachers out there. And I know that there's teachers that can destroy a child's life. And those things stick, they stick inside of our head and they stick inside of our soul. And I hate that that happened to you. Thank what you. Were, what were your thoughts when you were hearing that? Did you talk about it with people? Did you internalize it? Um, you know, I, I used to wish that I was thinner. I remember thinking, you know, and my mom used to say that, um, that when I, that, you know, my mom was like, I was also fat when I was growing up. And my mom also kind of, um, you know, suffered the same kind of discrimination because she was a little bit overweight. Um, so she said that she lost weight as she became a teenager. And so she kind of uh, said this to me, she's like, you're going to slim down too. So I was just always like, oh, okay, I'm going to slim down too. It was only so at home, everything was fine. It was only when I went out into, into the world and all of my like female friends were like, oh, I'm, I'm dieting. And, you know, I can't eat this. Oh my God, no, you know, and I would just be like, but I want to eat it. So there was a lot of shame attached to the fact that I was eating when my friends weren't. So that is my early hate, experience. I hate that the messaging, I'm being very mindful about my words right now. And I've really changed because I truly believe that our vocabulary matters. I hate that it was considered negative, that your body didn't look like everyone else's body. And even though your mom was awesome and being a shield, that there was this idea that you were going to eventually get to a place where you were no longer going to be this negative side and that you were going to be a more acceptable size. And I have to tell you that it breaks my heart to watch children because kids are so mean to each other. I was horribly made fun of when I was younger. I had an eye issue and I had to wear a patch and kids were just, ki kids find anything that's different and they just go at it. And my boys and I have many conversations because they're all three of them are always made fun of for something stupid. And I hate it. And it, it really matters because I'm 41. And I still see women and men, but mostly women that I went to school with. And my first thought is she was nice or she was me. And that is what I remember. And I tell my kids, this matters more than anything you will ever do in your entire life how you treat other people. Yeah, it's 100%. You know, it is kindness is a quality that people always undervalue. And it's kindness that in the end, everybody tends to remember. Um, I mean, when because I was experiencing a lot of discrimination. So one of the things I learned was to not be that thankfully, I broke the cycle <laughs> as my my, uh, you, my friend you used to say aware of it to say no, I was I'm aware of it. Yeah. So I was very mindful, even as a teenager to not be mean to my fellow friends and that was like the the reason that even today like on Facebook my high school friends will reach out to me from India not high school but like middle school like from India saying that you know you were so kind so it does matter it you may not matter that. yeah it's it may not matter in the moment you might not get the applause for being kind 
but in the end, it's the kindness that carries the distance. So, you know, I, um, I mean, I tell my brother kind of has this problem at his job too, where he is kind to people. And then he gets uh, ridiculed a little bit for being, you know, little to like not being macho enough. And so I have had to like teach him to not let, it's like just because they don't value the, uh, the, the virtue of kindness doesn't mean it's not a virtue. It is kindness, compassion, these things matter. It, it's not just how, it's not just like what you do, it's how you do it. It yes. matters. And how you make other people feel. How you make other, in the process, how you do it, and then how, what reaction you have on other people. You said something, because I want to get to where you are today of how much inner work you've had to do. You said about three years ago, you would have been a zero for your body image. What was the changing, what made you change and what work did you specifically do? So this is going to be a long story also. <laughs> So like I said, you know, the Hollywood journey started and the messaging I got was like, get better, get perfect. So I started getting better and getting perfect, right? So I started doing um, this high protein, low carb diet that, you know, worked really well in early on Thanks. and I lost, you know, a bunch of weight. Yeah. And then my body revolted and it, you know, it did not like the fact that I wasn't eating everything I was supposed to eat. So I had like this major sort of massive, you know, when I was like 30, 29, 30, like of just my body just shut down. I mean, I don't know how else to put it. Like it just shut down. I have like, a question. Were you internally feeling like beautiful and happy because you were that size? Or were you just like, this is exhausting. The struggle is horrible. Uh, you know, that's a good question because it was a little bit of both. I liked the fact that, um, first of all, I have, you know, like I said, because I had grown up with a certain amount of weight, I had the desire, like not being losing, not being able to thin, slim down was like my first struggle. Like it was the only thing in my life that I had attempted and not really succeeded at. So it was already a thing in my sort of craw, right? So so the fact that I was finally able to conquer and slay the dragon was, you know, it was nice. I was like, yay, you know, and then there's two facts to that. The first thing is like, I was very happy at that I was at that weight, but then there was also this subtle thing of like, well, are you, are you sure you want to be a five? Don't, wouldn't it be better to be a three? And I was like, no, yes, never no, enough, right? Never no. enough. And the attention that you get, like, so I would get attention from my friends going, you're so thin, you're too thin when I was really, really restricting and over exercising. And I loved that. And that, that mm. attention of you're too thin made me feel like, oh, cool. They're jealous. And now, what they right. were saying was she looks sick because now that I look back at pictures in order to get like that, I had to make myself, I was starving myself. Wow. Right. And so I took it so far and had a horrible eating disorder. And I thought that I would only be accepted and worthy and uh, attractive if I was almost nothing. And for me, when I look back at that time, there was never a time I was happy. I never felt at peace. It was like momentary, like, oh, you get, you gave me that thing. I wanted that attraction and attention and then right. it was now you got to keep it right now you got to make sure it doesn't get taken away from you so you got to wake up and you know work out every day and starve yourself because were you aware that your body was starting to not do well when you were no that, no not at all because um 
I felt like I was eating the because I didn't really cut down on the calories. I just cut down on what I ate. Right. So, you know, and then at that time, like high protein, low carb was all the fat. So nobody had knew that it could give you a heart attack and it could cause you hormonal problems and all of that stuff. And it was bad advice to begin with, you know, we'll just leave that be. But, um, you know, so no, I, I didn't know it. I, my body had started changing. But I think in my zeal of like staying the way that I did, I think I ignored it and I let it get worse because I was so worried about like not getting back to being fat again, Mm. that I wanted to just will it into just staying this way and just eating this diet. So um, that's kind of what happened, you know, and I not only did I gained the weight back, I gained then some as it always happens. Right. And in my case, I also lost my metabolism because it was just awful for your body to do that. I also started losing my hair. I, wow. I started breaking out um, uh, my, my stomach. I developed a lot of digestion problems. Yeah, me too. I just had to reset like my, my, you know, I mean, my body wouldn't work. So who were you telling the truth to? Were you telling your mom or were you telling, who were you talking to? I didn't know things were, I was like, it was fine. You know, it wasn't until things got really bad that I couldn't look away from it, that I was like, well, something's going on. And I went to the doctor and the doctor was kind of like, well, let's get your hormones checked. And even the hormones guy was like, well, you know, it's, it's okay. It's not too bad. It's, you know, it's in the zone. And the truth is it might've been in the zone, but it wasn't right for me, you know? So the standard sort of math or whatever calendar they were using to tell us everything was perfect. Like I was being told outwardly again, that it's okay, that, you know, there's a little thing, you change this and you're going to be fine. But in reality, that was not the case at all. So even when I went to get help and, you know, went to the doctors, I, w- I didn't quite get the, the wake up call that I needed of like, oh no, no, you need to switch to balanced diet prana. So I didn't get that kind of messaging. It was only me slowly realizing that, whoa, like, you know, and I started gaining the weight back, you know, hair problems, face, like started breaking out, like had the kind of acne that was insane that I still have scars from that I'm still getting to this day treatments to like get Mm -hmm. rid of that. So I kind of self-diagnosed and I was like, oh my God, this diet. So that was me going. So your inner voice knew this was not working. Yeah, I think so. And then what did you do to change the way that you were going? I basically, one thing I made, and then this is again, like where personal versus uh, the world kind of came in for me, because again, I was being told, you know, I gained the weight back and they're like, oh, just go back on the diet and slim down again. Because this time I didn't just get heavy. I got heavy, heavy. Right. So, and, and, and me, stupid me taking the messaging in, I was like, okay, let me just do that again. Let me just do it for like a couple months. And then I'll be back. Like I'll, I'll lose 20 yeah, pounds. And I'll that place, right. like, yeah. So there was absolutely of like a few months, maybe even a year. I don't remember of like, let me just like, let me just will it, you know, force it some. Hold on. I lost you. You're frozen. Can you hear me? Can you hear me? Lily? Yay. You were frozen in a beautiful position though. <laughs> Thank you. I don't know. The power just went out all of a sudden. I'm going to take you to the place where you were talking about, so you'd already gotten to a place where you realized this was not working and you'd try doing it again. I want to know, because you said, and I wrote this down because I thought it was so awesome that you saddled up for another battle that he's seen and heard to be treated fairly and to be being committed and that you want to use the art of self-love and meditation to pursue your passion. Like, will you take us to the part, I'm going to start it again, where you change and made the decision to be healthy and strong. Will you tell us about that? Yeah, sure. Cool. Um, so yeah, so, you know, I got to that place of like, oh my God, this isn't working. So, and this is where I think my own self-worth 
that I had acquired as a child came into being because I realized that this was not working. And I realized that I wanted to be an actress for the rest of my life and I needed to be in shape and I can't keep going back and forth. So I made a very conscious decision that I literally believe the universe kind of gave me of like, I need to do something about this. So this is where then Ayurveda, which is like this ancient Indian way of eating came into my life. And I literally brick by brick by brick sort of reassembled and put my body back together. You know, not even worrying about weight, but like just making sure that my hormones were fine, you know, getting my face fixed, getting treatments done, making sure, you know, completely gave up everything chemical, became organic, became vegetarian, uh, home-based eating. I mean, you name it. Like I was like full on sort of putting nothing but the best that I could Your find focus, in my body. Which is what I've done has become on healthy and strong and fit. So you can live a beautiful life, not on skinny or fat, or what do I do to, to make everything go away? It's about being strong and beautiful and healthy in that way. And the brilliant thing is that when you focus on that, all of a sudden you start to feel pretty. Your body, you start to slim down. Your hair looks nice. Like things just get, if you just get out of your own way, you yes. know, your body will get back to what it's supposed to do, what it's automatically. I think it's so interesting that you went back basically to your roots where your cultural roots of what is healthy and what right. works. That's so interesting. Because that was the only place I felt comfortable, honestly. I did a lot of research and I was just like, I couldn't plant myself anywhere. But when I found Ayurveda, like I think genetically, I was able to plant myself in that. And I was like, I'm home. I so, love it. you know, and, you know, and I will, I will not like, I don't want to paint like a rosy picture. It was not easy. Like, it, you know, finding yourself back and putting yourself back together takes a little bit of work, but you know, I'm happy that that's the way that I did it. And now after like a few years of putting in the effort, I now, you know, I mean, I do yoga, I run, I'm starting to lose weight, you know, my face is starting, you know, all of that stuff that I was so desperately chasing just naturally started coming to me once I let my body be what it's supposed to be. And I put the best foods available. Mm -hmm. I ate balanced diet, you know? Yeah. And you fast, you know, I will say that I'm a huge fan of like fasting. Fasting is right. fantastic because it allows your body to reset. But what you did ultimately is you found what works for you. And that's what the whole thing is about is find your truth and what works for you that is sustainable for your lifetime and not something that you need to crash into in order to get to a certain place it's about finding health and happiness and peace and balance for you which is different for everybody 100 and here's the uh, the thing that i will also add on top of that is that factor your lifestyle into it don't remove yourself from your life and put yourself in this vacuum of like let me just do this for six months and then i can go live my life it's never gonna work I asked my, like me, you know, my brother kind of came, gained weight and he wanted to get back on the diet. And the first thing I asked him is like, do you see yourself doing this a year from now? And he was like, no, I'm like, then this isn't going to work. That's such so a good question. That's like, such a good question. Right. I was like, then don't try it. You're going to waste your time. It's like, it's not going to stick because you're just passing time. I love this. Um, I want to get you to the lightning round because our okay. time is almost up. But before we do that, did you happen to bring a quote today? 
A what? A, a quote. quote? Oh, yeah. Um, so it's from, okay, so I have always thought that this was from uh, Dr. Nelson Mandela, but I've been told that it was originally from Marianne Wilson. So I don't know which one is it true, which one is true, but this is one of my absolute favorite quotes. It says, as we shine our light, we give other per people permission to do the same. <laughs> I love it. I actually had the full entire like paragraph of it written on a chalkboard in my house for years. So my kids would see it about, you know, don't dim your light for other people. So, you know, being okay with that. I also don't know who it's from. And I'm always told, you know, you're saying that wrong. I'm like, I don't know. I'm just telling you that this is beautiful and it inspires me. What about it do you love? You know, as we shine our light, that what we bring to the table matters. And, you know, it's this whole thing of like, me stepping into my power allows people around me to step into their power, which will hopefully then allow other people to step into theirs, you know, one person to another, you know, passing the torch as they do with the, in the games, you know? So it's all about not dimming your light, like you say, it's all about standing in your full power. And it's really, really, really knowing in your heart that you are here for a purpose. You know, it doesn't matter if that purpose is teaching kids or if it's being a multi-million movie star, it does not matter. What you bring to the table is valuable and exactly what's needed right here, right now. So many people need to hear your words saying that, which is why I'm so grateful you're on here. And I have Thank to tell you, you, so you don't know my story, but I tried taking my own life when I was 19 and luckily I didn't oh. get what I wanted. But oh what God. I think that the universe wants me to do, I think there's two things I'm supposed to do here besides all the other things is I'm supposed to bring the light and pass it around. And I'm supposed to give other people permission to be who they are. And I get oh. to do those two things together with this. Oh. Because it's true. Like you said, you cannot share what you don't have. And so you have to start with what you have and make it strong and powerful and honest to who you are. And I feel so blessed to be in your presence. Oh, thank you so you ready much. ready for lightning round? Like I'm with a kindred spirit. Thank I know, you. I do too. Okay, so lightning round. <laughs> okay. What would your 80-year-old self say to you now? 80 or 18? 80. 80. 80. Uh, don't try so hard. <laughs> What would you say to the age you were when you were trying so hard to shrink down and change everything and you were really struggling with yourself? What would you say to that person? Oh, uh, I love you. Mm, I love that. What is beautiful to you or beauty? It's the one that doesn't try to dominate people around you. True beauty is radiant. What does it mean to be a strong woman? Um, one who stands up for herself and for others. I love that. What do you want others to say about you when you're not in the room? She made a difference. If you found out, I have two more questions. You're fabulous. If you found out that oh. December 31st, 2021 was your last day on earth, what would you do with the rest of the year? I would do exactly what I'm doing. I that means you're thing. living your life the way you're supposed to be. <laughs> I would be. I yes. would make more money. <laughs> doing what I do. <laughs> okay, last word, Lily. You get one piece of advice for every woman to hear. What do you want them to hear? Look in the mirror and say, I love you. I do that. Do you do that? I have started doing it. It's not easy. So I'm going to give you a challenge. Every single time I go to the bathroom, I smile at myself and say hi, like I'm greeting my best friend because I am. I literally mm -hmm. make myself be like, hi, you look bad. Like, because <laughs> if I don't, who's, no one's going to. No one's I have gonna. to. Yes. I'm so grateful for your time and your energy. And you are yeah. going to change the world. Oh, Thank you. Thank you, you very are. much. With your life. I'm going to do it voice. with women like you. <laughs> yes, we are going to do it together. Yes. Yes. Thank you yes. so much for being here. It's my pleasure, Carly. Thank you Thanks. so much. I hope you enjoyed this episode. 
please rate, review, and share with your lady friends. If you're ready to do the work it's going to take to love yourself as you are, your body, your worth, and your voice, please reach out to me at carlyisrael.com and we can connect. I offer one-on-one private coaching virtually as well as small intimate groups. It's going to take a ton of work and a lot of commitment on your part, but I promise to be in your corner. I hope you have an amazing day and I hope you spread the light you feel with others so they can feel it too. La 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 la